Black Rifle Coffee Company is a veteran-owned coffee company serving premium coffee to people who love America. Fall is upon us, and there's no better way to get fueled up before hunt than with some Black Rifle Coffee. Coffee legitimately tastes better after a day in the woods or after a successful hunt. Fuel your next adventure and purchase at www.blackriflecoffee.com and use code ANTLER at checkout to save 20% off your purchase and or with your first Coffee Club subscription, Black Rifle Coffee. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode 86 of the Antler Up podcast. On today's episode, Dimitri and I are joined by our good friend, Adrian Wilson. Adrian lives down in Tennessee and shares his hunting strategies for hunting velvet whitetails in Tennessee and other early season strategies. Adrian goes deep into how he approaches and transitions from hunting those velvet bucks to chasing public land bucks from October on. We also get into chat about saddle hunting and how first-year hunters in the saddle can learn and adjust on the fly. Really fun episode to record, so sit back, enjoy this fun episode, and what up. Before we get into this episode, I want to share with you a few discount codes that will help you save some money and get ready for the upcoming hunting season. The Elk Collective is the virtual elk hunting resource with tons of videos and information to get you ready to chase elk this upcoming season. Use code PODCAST and save $30 today at theelkcollective.com. Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly innovative and science-based products that saves the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. New things are on the horizon, so use code ANTLERUP to save 25% off your Spartan Forge membership at spartanforge.ai. Also, just want to say a big thank you to our partners over at America's Best Bowstrings, hand-built in the USA since 2006. Amazing customer service, awesome quality and performance. Their Platinum Series strings are what we all run on our bows. We absolutely love them. Go and create a custom set today at americasbestbowstrings.com. All right, dude. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Antler Up podcast. On the other line, we are joined by Adrian Wilson. Adrian, man, from Tennessee. What's happening, brother? Hey, guys. How are you guys? I, I'm stoked to be here. Thanks for having me. And we got one week from today till the Velvet Tennessee hunt. Awesome, man. Well, that's why, I, you know, this is critical time because this is exactly what we really want to dive into and talk about. Uh, early season tactics with you because last year at this time, I just told Dimitri, you and I were, you know, messaging back and forth on Instagram, getting a chance to know each other a little bit with, you know, with tethered and everything. And you're like, Hey man, it was 11 o'clock at night. You're like, you up? Can I call you? And I was like, sure, let's get it going. And we, <laughs> you and I talked to like 1230 that night and, uh, we were talking about the cell links and all that type of stuff. And you know, yes, that's, yes. That's, that's when our friendship really began and, uh, never looked back. I love when you and I have the chance to, to talk and, uh, go from there, man. So I appreciate you coming on. Well, nobody's, nobody said I'm not a talker, especially <laughs> when it comes to hunting. I will, I'll, I mean, I'll wear you out. So <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm ate up. I'm ate up with it. Like many of the, many of the listeners here and, uh, 
Yeah, uh, you've been an awesome dude. I've enjoyed all of our, our text messaging, our chats, and so I'm stoked to be a, a, a part of the Antler Up yeah, podcast. Yeah, hey, dude, I appreciate it. What's going on with the, the wrist over there? So this week, this past weekend, um, I was in Asheville, North Carolina, doing an event with uh, Timber Ninja Outdoors. Yeah, he was doing it. <clears throat> excuse me. He was doing uh, an open house. They got a nice new facility, and he invited me up to do uh, a little uh, saddle demo for the guys that were attending. And just freak accident, I was climbing up into. He has like one of those sprinter vans, like mm-hmm. like the, the the high top, kind of like an Amazon. Uh, prime van whatever so i was climbing up and i was uh he's got um like loft bedding in there okay and that's where we were sleeping we we're camping out so anyway off? i grabbed up to pull myself up and the the handle gave way and i fell and broke my wrist no way so, uh yeah it's it's one of those things like so like it, it it's a freak accident but like the, here's the funny part is I can say this now. So everybody's asleep. Everybody is in bed. Um, and I go out to call my girlfriend to talk to her, say goodnight and all that stuff. So i walk back in. This was about 1030 at night. Um, bunch of guys there at camp. Uh, and uh, anyway, I'm trying to creep back into this van, right? And it's not like a van full of dudes, but it's just me and Jason. <laughs> Freaky Andy on the side. Yeah. Just, 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 just to be be clear here. Um, everybody's intense and, uh, Jason's in, uh, up in the van and, and his, uh, boy Jack. And I'm trying to step over Jack and not step on anybody and sneak in the bed without waking anybody up. You know, I'm, I'm trying to be polite. Well, I grab onto this handle and step up and the handle gives way. I fall back. I knew immediately like oh. the wrist was jacked. Nobody wakes up. Like I, I like I'm a, Six five, two hundred and fifteen pound dude. Like this whole van is just jarring. <laughs> Jason kind of stirs up. It's like, oh, whoa, 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 and then he goes back to sleep. Like he's out. Like he, so, I'm thinking, man, I know I just broke my wrist. I know I did. I climb into bed. I don't. I don't want to wake anybody up. Yeah. So I cl- I climb into bed, and I wear my watch on my left hand or arm like anybody else. And within an hour, I'd fallen asleep and the the swelling started going around this watch and it was just throbbing. So I actually wake up, take my watch off and I stay up all night, Oh man, all night. And then I tell the guys like when I wake up, like I was awake when they're all waking up. I'm like, actually Jason goes, Hey, I, I had a dream that, that, that you fell last night. I'm like, ah, bro, that wasn't a dream. He's like, are you serious? And I was like, dude, I broke my wrist. So, they take me to the uh, the doctor and like I got a cast and all that uh, X rays. So yeah, broken wrist. Um, the whole night though, you can imagine what I'm going through. Yeah. Hey, I got I got my first hunt here in a week, a week and a half, and I, it's killing me. I'm like, uh, anyway. So here's what I'm doing now. I've never shot a crossbow in my life. Not opposed to it. I'm a I'm for guys doing whatever they need to do within the legal means. And I just, I just never had a reason to, I love shooting my bow so much. So uh, then my thought process goes, okay, I probably can't climb a tree. How can I hunt? Because 
at the end of the day, I just like to kill stuff. Yep. I mean, like I love the hunt. I love, I've put in so much time and, you know, you've kind of talked about like leading up to what we're going to talk about early season and velvet, but I've put a lot of time in uh, cameras and glassing and all this stuff and found some uh, targets. And all I'm thinking about is how can I hunt? So I purchased my first crossbow uh, a couple of days ago and now I'm a crossbow owner and I'm going to, I'm going to use it to kill some deer. Hopefully. <laughs> hey man, I was going to say, at least it's on your left hand. So like one day, maybe before, you know, once it's somewhat of fully healed and you have only have a week or two to sure. go, you might be able to get a wrist strap on there. And well, well, and here's the deal. I do, I do shoot a wrist release still. Um, I shoot lefty though. I'm right-handed, but I'm left eye dominant. Yep. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of, it's one of those things like I want to jump back in the game really yeah. fast because I mean, come on, yeah, like I'm shooting it. daily and then now it all stops. And you know, you want to, for me and, and most of the guys out there, um, I'm very cognizant about making sure like I am on, I'm on, I'm on. It's just a confidence builder anyway. So uh, leading up to the hunt, you want that. And now I'll go from, shooting this crossbow for a few weeks. Hey, I'm sorry. Catman is here. I'm sitting on his stove. I don't want to light, light my pants on fire. Yeah, anyway, so anyway, um, I am uh, now going to shoot this crossbow and, but I don't want, I want to jump back in the game, but I don't want to jump too early because right. the wrist, the wrist strap is on my left, my left hand. And so, Anyway, it's gonna be it's gonna be a touch and go situation, I guess, till we get to that point. I, I hope you have a good uh, physical therapist that's gonna help you after you get that cast off. Because <laughs> if not, you got Dimitri. Well, yeah, we could do some <laughs> Zoom sessions. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you, cross crossing my fingers here and the the broke wrist. Um, I've tended to be a pretty fast healer. I'm I'm hoping on that. I'm I'm very much trying to take it easy, but I'm not a guy that sits around. So it's, it's driving me nuts. Yeah. Like, like I said, I, I was fishing tonight. Um, there's a couple of times that I've had okay. Daddy over here, uh, reel them in for me. But, uh, for the most part, I think I'll be good. Yeah, man. That's, that's awesome. Oh. Well, let me t oh, talk about, let's go. We'll, we'll talk about now that Tennessee stuff and what you've been doing. Do you want to, sure. do you want to talk about, any changes? So let's re let's rewind. Let's talk about last year's hunt. Like you don't have like okay. you, you don't have to go into every single detail, but you could talk about what this season is uh, and like your preparation that you did for it last year that you had success. It was on the tethered uh, video series that they had going. That was probably their first one because I think you were one of the first hunts to to go. So talk a little bit about sure. that, and then we'll we'll go from there. So. Um... Tennessee started a velvet hunt. So, so let me, me, me take a step back. Tennessee's archery season starts the last weekend of September every year. Uh, I think it was four years ago. They implemented what we call the velvet hunt. It's a three day hunt. And at the end of August, at the end of that hunt, like I said, you're done till the last weekend of September. So, I mean, we've never had an opportunity you know, unless a, a buck was still holding velvet, which is super rare at that point in time, 
um, to go and, and kill a velvet buck. So um, last year, I, uh, I was on some property. It was like 500 acres. Um, in the state of Tennessee, the velvet hunt is on private land only. That's one of the, the, the rules of that. With, well, there's one exception. Out west in Tennessee, we had an EHD breakout a couple of years ago. So they opened up a public land hunting for velvet. And actually, you can use a, a rifle. Um, I had a couple of buddies that were uh, successful with that. I have not done that. I've, I don't own private land myself, but I've uh, acquired some through friends. And so last year I got that hunt. Um, I was prepared as far as a lot of boots on the ground, just kind of figuring out what these deer were doing. A lot of cameras. Um, I went with, I'd never tried a cell camera in my life. I went with the cell camera, the, the, the spy point, uh, cell links. Yep. They were, they were really uh, beneficial to me, actually, um, for a long time. They actually have kind of sputtered out since then, but, like, for that hunt, they were, they were money. Like, I, was, I had a group of four to five deer um, that were shooters all day long, 130-plus uh, deer. And so I used those cameras. I did not want to set foot in there. You know, I was trying to be very vigilant and – just letting them have their space. And I was catching these dudes on camera like every other day to not every day. And uh, the opening day of the hunt, um, the wind conditions were perfect for one of my setups. And when I say setups, like it was not like a preset, but like um, it was a a spot that I'd picked out. And uh, I went in uh, really early. I went in there about 1.30 in the afternoon. Um, And this was actually during – the hurricane, uh, I think it was Laura, uh, was coming through. And, uh, when I say that, that sounds pretty dramatic, but like, like it come through a little bit, it stopped. So we had really, uh, clear skies and the deer came out on clockwork. Uh, it was number four out of, uh, the five. And, uh, I was stoked to see him and it it happened so fast. He came out, uh, in a cornfield in the corner, uh, just where I'd seen him on camera. And, uh, I mean, you saw the video, like it was like literally me and the camera guy were, were sitting there talking about, you know, being still and doing all the things appropriately in case these deer come out. And he's telling me, Hey, 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 Adrian, there's deer, deer, deer. And all I could do was make sure he had the camera going and I drew back and shot him about 17 yards. Um, uh, he, went 150 yards. We didn't find him two days later till two, two days later though. And, uh, uh, the, the rains really burned us that night. The, the blood trail was, uh, non-existent. It was not a complete pass through hit opposite shoulder and, you know, clogged everything up, but I knew the deer was dead looking at the footage. So kind of the same approach this year, Cameras, 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 boots on the ground early um, and watching from afar and, you know, fingers crossed again, hopefully next weekend, uh, it'll be Friday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday of next weekend. Hopefully there'll be another one on the ground. 
Now with that, the crossbow. <laughs> now with that early season, especially being only three days, which is you know unusual versus most states, and then you have a month kind of afterwards to kind of let things settle down. Now I know on your hunt last year, you said the wind conditions were perfect for that sit of where you wanted to be. Yes. But now, how would your tactics change, just say, if the wind wasn't quite perfect? You know, with only three days, if, if the wind lo- is looking like it's not going to be good all three days, now are you going to go to a safer play, even though you only have those three days, or are you going to be more aggressive and, and kind of play your cards uh, those three days and go in there where your camera is telling you those deer are coming out? Uh, great question. So, first off, like, you know, I think most places, well, in my mind, most places this time of year have a consistent wind coming from a certain direction. So usually here it's from the South and, um, that's pretty dominant. Like I don't have a percentage, but I'm going to say like 80% of the time. So that I'm going to base what from my experience and my data is saying that that's probably going to be my spot, but I'm very much a contingency guy. Like I'm going to make sure I have all my ducks in a row. And so um, right now I'm planning on that, the deer coming from the same spot that I've been seeing on the camera uh, with a South wind. Um, But I have contingency backup plans if the wind shifts. And well, so for example, last year when I went in there, we can hunt, like I said, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I didn't go in there in the morning. I know that that was a bad plan based on their feeding pattern. They would still be in there. I might blow them out. I don't. I don't want to to chance that. So um, if the if the ideal conditions are not there, I won't even go in. Uh, um, because I mean, I'm going to ruin it for the rest of the weekend more than likely. I mean, you know, there's always that chance. You know, deer are unpredictable. Uh, to a degree as well. So if they're not coming in and uh, based on a South wind, I won't go in there or I will take up one of the other spots based on how the wind is, is shifting or whatever it's doing. So I, I feel like I've got all my bases covered and that's, that's kind of how I do it. But if, if, if I don't feel comfortable with it, I'm not going to screw it up. It's not about, I mean, I love, the hunt i love the hunt but if it is not going to be a good situation i won't do it right and you talked about how you want to stay out of there as much as you can leading up to that and you do scout a lot even you know to get yourself in those right positions when do you start kind of putting your boots to the ground and laying trail cameras because you might put put it in a spot and maybe i mean you could even talk about your strategy do you let it soak for a week or two and if you don't get anything do you go back in there move that one how do you approach that aspect of things so depending, I mean, for this hunt, it's a little different. Like, um, if I know, like, for example, I knew last year exactly where the area, the property I was going to hunt. Mm-hmm. I like, I put cameras out galore and I had boots on the ground January, February, like after gotcha. season's over, uh, finding those, those runs and those trails. But also th- last year, um, I was hunting over um, a food plot of corn. Like it's a farmer's property. I, you know, finding those trails, you know, going there, knowing that they're going to be corner beans there. I was using that as a play this year. Uh, we got soybeans 
And I did not know exactly where I was going to be this year that early in the season. So talking to the landowner, getting some intel from them, and then getting out there, um, let's see, I probably got out, out there in June. Okay. And so June, July, and then glassing from afar is huge. Like, you know, having good glass um, and just being patient. And, and you know, there's there's some nights, especially early, early in the season, because – I might not see them. And, uh, but they came out, they started coming out regular and regular and, uh, the, the soybeans are super high now. Um, so knowing on where I've been seeing them in the past, just watching that area, seeing, seeing the, the velvet horns, uh, in the soybeans has, has paid dividends. Just kind of knowing what you're looking for, I guess. Now, what did you see as far as your pattern in the same area uh, from from the velvet until that next season came about in, in late September? They, they start to shed that velvet. You know, how does your strategy change and what do you implement at that time compared to what you did for the August hunt? So, you know, early season, you know, you can pattern, pattern them pretty good. I mean, there's no guarantee they're going to do what you've been seeing because – they, I, I, I can say, like I, I was saying earlier, I might see them every other day coming out the same trail or the same path. Um, but as the, as the season goes on, the food source changes, yeah. uh, the cover changes. And so for me, and I'm not as successful as I want to be. There's a, a ton of just wonderful hunters out there. That, that, that can read food sources and, and those things a lot better than I can. But I, I mean, I'm, I'm still a work in progress. I'm, I'm, I'm always open to, to learn new things or to listen and just soak up that knowledge. And I think uh, that's, that's been beneficial to me just learning from other hunters and experience, but boots on the ground, like a lot of guys. And I used to be this guy. That's why I'm saying this, you know, I would find deer sign. Well, I want to shoot big deer. I want to shoot big bucks. And so I used to on real early on, I would sit and I'd be happy to see deer or, or does or a lot of does. Um, and I have, I'll shoot those, but I mean, come on, I want to shoot a big buck. So you have to find, uh, the sign there. So boots on the ground, you know, being very cognizant of your surroundings and watching for certain little things, uh, um, that's, that's really been what's paid off for me. That's awesome, dude. Well, you, and you brought up a great point. You said, even with ag, mm-hmm. the, the food still changes, right? So you're not sure. going to hunt that soybean field all year round. Right. And I think, you know, we, we kind of forget that like, cause we hunt, you know, mountain bucks and we're in hard timber all the time. And we say sometimes that information we say ah that doesn't relate to us right, Be- but it kind of does sure. right because in the hardwoods the food changes as well as the season yeah. goes on too. So it's not as much of you know what the food is. It's it's figuring out what's the early yeah. food of where you're at and what's the later on food of how those deer are going to switch to that next feed as it's available for them. So it doesn't really matter. Which we kind of you know, let that information go aside, say, ah, we don't hunt ag field. So I'm not even going to think about that. Well, you know, actually you do, you know, and you got to really figure out no matter where you're hunting or what your location is, is what is that first food for 
source what's that second what's that third late season and figure out how those deer are going to transition into that next phase well yeah so and, and the properties i'm talking about now i won't touch the rest of the year like um, these are private properties that uh, that i've gotten permission from the landowners to do the velvet hunt um and then after that like i don't i don't own private property um I wish I did like anybody else that <laughs> yep. can manage and, and bring up these, hopefully these big, big deer, but I'm primarily hunting uh, private property, uh, excuse me, public property after the velvet hunt. So, um, you know, early season after, after the, uh, the public land guys get onto those archery deer early on, you know, they talk about this October lull and all these things. Well, that's, I don't, I, I personally don't believe in that. I think that there's, they changed their patterns. So they're not seeing the deer anymore. Um, and a lot of these guys, I think they get comfortable hunting and sitting in their same spots because they're used to, this is my tree. This is this. No, you, it, it changes year in and year out. Yes. A lot of these deer are going to have the same patterns based on the food sources, but like you guys know this, you know, they're going to be, the uh, oak trees there's going to be a hot tree in there and you might have just just a plethora of oak trees but usually there's a good food source that they really nail on that they like one better than another so if you don't get out and move you're not going to have this success that i mean not saying you won't there's still going to be deer that's going to come through but you've got to find the hot food source at that point in time yeah, I agree. Now, Adrian, you talked about how now you're going to be using the crossbow. You know, you went from shooting your bow a lot, and I know just just from knowing you one and two, just seeing what you're posting and everything like that. How like how mentally are you now preparing for this and kind of like switching up like for this? Just because I know you you know used to be a coach, you're a teacher, so yeah, you know I you kind of you have the same mindset and, and philosophies that Dimitri and I both do. So it's kind of I'm sure. interested to to hear like now how are you tackling this and making the most out of it? You know, like you said, and, and you you are four individuals getting out there to hunt. You know, how are you tackle, tackling this now? So I shot my first crossbow today. I've never shot one in my life. I am 46 years old and have never shot one. Um, so, you know, you got to be confident. Like confidence is huge. I mean, you know that you're a coach as well. You know, if you have your team and they're confident, even they might not be as good, but if there's some confidence, that's, that's a next level type of thing. That's going to propel you a lot of times, even when you don't have what it takes. Um, for me, when I'm shooting my bow, just the proficiency of being, you know, I don't have to be perfect. I'll never, never expect that. But, like, I, I have certain things I expect for myself. And so the crossbow thing, I'm, I'm pretty nervous because, like, I have not done it. And I want that confidence. Yeah, I don't have that confidence now. No, I shot today, and I was – I was – I mean, it's, it's like shooting a gun. Like I was looking through a scope and like I was on target. Um, but I had, don't have enough time put into that to really make me feel, Hey, this is going to be a thing that seals the deal. Like when I have a bow in my hands, I know there's room for error and, and I'm by far from a perfect shot, but I'm, I'm pretty dead. I'm confident when I have a bow. like, like when, when, uh, 
when killing time comes, I've, I, I believe in myself and I've been pretty decent at it. So, um, it'll be a new experience. I, I think that going in. So again, a week from today is, is my first hunt. If I had the opportunity, I feel like between now and then I'm going to put the time in and I'm going to build that confidence up. And if, if a deer comes in and it presents me a shot and I want to shoot it and my heart's fluttering, I feel like it's going to be, it's going to be a game over for the deer. Uh, that's just, and that's based on me putting my time in and just getting, getting to know my weapon. Yeah. Yeah. I want uh, I kind of want to backtrack just a little bit cause I want to just see, you know, how you're going to tackle this. Like if, if the injury did not happen. Okay. Cause like Dimitri asked you an awesome question about, you know, would you be aggressive even if the wind wouldn't be right? You know, being in the saddle. So like, I kind of want to, you know, transition into the mobile hunting side of things. And obviously with tethered, you know, going with, from the saddle, you know, being that these deer are not kind of being pressured yet, you know, do you take that chance? If you've got like, just say a, a stud and you have that one opportunity, it's that last chance, you know, within a month there, he's going to transition Think The velvet's going to come off. He's going to possibly move. You're on private. You know, you're not, you know, you're not coming back again. You know, by next year is when you're going to possibly see him again. Sure. If, if he lives, you know, how would you tackle that approach by being aggressive with your saddle? Uh, and how does that translate into then your rest of your season? So we've got a couple of scenarios here. Like, so right now with a broken wrist, uh, I, I'm not going to be able to climb a tree. Right. There's no way I, I just can't. So depending on the wind and the setup, I'm going to do one of two things. Um, I will either be in a saddle with my feet on the ground as a platform, or I will, you know, be hunkered up somewhere uh, I, I'm thinking I'll probably wear a ghillie suit and might be in a bush or, or whatever. Um, usually like I rifle hunt out of a saddle, mm-hmm. um, at times I have, I, I think that's all, all awesome, but I primarily, if I'm rifle hunting, I'm, I'm going to be on the ground because I like being mobile. I'm, I love, I love that aspect. Now it's funny cause I'm going to contradict myself here and boast season i love being really high in that tree having the vantage point um depending on you know what the coverage allows me to do i mean depending on uh if there's a you know early season there's a lot of leaves in the tree i might go 10 foot off the off the ground mm-hmm. yeah um, and uh you know a lot of guys ask me that question oh well how high do you go well preferably i'd love to be really high but that's not always the best scenario. I don't feel like I, th- I think you have to go with what nature gives you and what's going on now. Um, so that's, that's for right now in this scenario, I'll move in. If I, if I feel like, if I feel like I have a pretty high percentage and I'll, I don't know, it, it's a gut feeling when you're in the moment. I mean, again, if you're in the moment and you feel like it's you're capable of maybe a higher percentage killing that deer and making the move and being aggressive, yeah, I'll do it. Um, now, early in the three-day hunt, I don't know if I'll do that. Just, again, a gut feeling, it'll depend on it. Yeah, the last day, heck yeah. yeah. Because that, that's my last day to do that. Now, if I am actually with my uh, compound bow, in a saddle, in a tree, 
Um, if I'm watching these deer move pretty regular on a path 50 yards away, yeah, I'm going to move. I mean, that's a, that's the cool thing about a saddle. It takes nothing. Now, I hate the movement, and I, I really – it kind of freaks me out. And you start second-guessing yourself, do I move? If a deer comes in, I'm going to bust it. Um, but if these deer are continually coming down the same path, just out of range, I think you have to move. Otherwise, you're just going to be uh, a cheerleader watching all these deer walk yeah. by. And uh, so, yeah, especially on a velvet hunt. Like, it's well, well, a three-day velvet hunt. Yeah, I'm going I'm to take chances for sure. Nice. Now, now, when you get into that later season, you say you're you're hunting public ground. So, kind of after the velvet season, uh, the end of September comes around. Now, how are you implementing your strategy on on that piece of public? Are you you know how are you setting up your trail cameras there? Is there ag fields as well that you're hunting? Is it more timber? And, and then how do you utilize in your your game cameras? And then you know we talked about. Uh, feed on public, but is there any other strategies that you're using to figure out those bucks later on in the season? Um, so another good question. I think early in the season, what I'm doing now for the velvet hunt, uh, trail cameras have been, well, obviously last year were, were paid big dividends. I think as the season goes on, I don't want to rely on that. I think so many guys we'll see a specific deer on a specific camera a couple times and they rely on that all the time. You know, I hear guys, especially with the cell cameras now, they're like, that deer's not in there. And, and it's, I've actually, we've, we've seen proof that they're actually in there. You just didn't see them on camera right. or didn't go that route or they moved. And I think that's a, a, a issue that a lot of hunters, um, and it's easy to do. I mean, c come on, you're seeing this big deer and you're thinking that's, he's not in there or whatever. So I'm going to go back to boots on the ground. Like, um, the THP guys being around them a little bit. I mean, they, like they've taught me so much. Those guys think outside the box. They do things that, that I, I would never think of. So actually being around them and hunting with them, they're, they're going in and they'll put, they'll, they'll still hunt, slow hunt. And, uh, they are hunting with boots on the ground and then they will not actually, from my experience, they don't set up unless it's just like a super awesome sign within the first day or two, they are going through Onyx, marking everything they see. And I've kind of taking, taken some of that from them. So on this public ground, I still have my cameras up and I'll check them. I don't have, I've got like maybe, uh, three or four cell cameras, but it's not, it's not a ton to cover all the property on the public lands I'm seeing. So I keep the, 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 the trail cameras up and I'll check them, but I'm relying mostly on just, just fresh sign and just getting out and moving around. Um, that's, that's been my best strategy for me. You know, it, it might not be for everybody, but like, I just, you know, knowing the food sources and what, the, what they're changing to, uh, seeing what the pressure is coming from, you know, I, I don't typically hunt, uh, uh, ag. I will early season because there's no pressure, right. but after that pressure hits, um, these deer move and, uh, uh, a lot of guys will still see, see sign in the ag, but that's usually nighttime stuff. And that's just kind of like a, a, a fool's gold. 
So I move away from that. I will find funnels that might lead to that in the evening uh, and stuff like that, but, or funnels that, that come back to, you know, if you're on public ground, a lot of these deer, if there's decent private land, they leave these public ag fields to go back to the public or excuse me, private land and they bet on that. So I'll use that to my advantage and then just lay a land and uh, a fresh sign. It is time for this week's Vortex Nation Highlight. This week's Vortex Nation Highlight, let's talk about practice. Not a game, but practice. Recently, I've been working with a back tension style release to keep me in the shot longer and really get me ready for hunting season. So whether practicing your shots, climbing a tree, and shooting from that elevated position, or even getting all your we hunting ha- gear together, had a lot of just practice. success. Take know, care of the little things year, and the big things. Deer take moving care of from private, you know, ag land to you know public area, uh, and it was we were hunting funnels more so. Uh, we were seeing that during you know daylight hours and stuff, but we didn't catch a buck until what end of October, like Halloween was the first day that you saw, you know, a legal buck, uh, you know, we, cause Dimitri and I, and, and I know Dimitri will even go with his dad search of, you know, go find like that freshest sign. And, you know, you guys, sure. you sure. guys found a, a hell of a, a rub line going from that deer mm-hmm. that we believe is now the third year on camera. Adrian, are you going after rubs, scrapes, hunting over scrapes, you know, how, how do you approach that side of things? Cause I think for us, like, you know, we're constantly, like how you said, we're looking for that most up-to-date sign. We're also seeing, sure. you know, trying to find like, okay, you know, our, our acorns dropping, where are we finding that kind of going, trying to piece together a puzzle. Uh, you know, what has, has been your success of one of the other? So, so my experience is um, if you, if you walk around any field, any ag field uh, during the rut, all around the edge, you're going to find so many scrapes, and they're going to be so fresh, and you're going to get – your heart's going to go crazy. I think that's one of those things that I think is full, fool's gold. More times than not, they're not coming back in during the daytime. Um, and that's that's my experience. I'm not hunting that. Um, I am going, if I find, uh, some scrapes deep, deep in the the timber or on some, some good trails or food sources, I will hunt that during the day. I don't really focus on that, even though golly, it's hard. It's hard not to get excited about that because you're like deer tracks. Yes, this is it. But from my personal experience, more times than not, that's not happening. Now, if you get in there super early in the morning, they might hit it on the way back from feeding um, or, or cruising. But just, you know, so during the rut, and I think this is pretty common, I'm hunting the does. I'm going to go where the does are going, where they're feeding, and the bucks are going to come. Right. That's That's been my biggest success. And, you know, that's not like rocket science. Like anybody can go do that. If you know where the does are going to be during your uh, area's rut time, the does are going to come in, or excuse me, the, the bucks are going to come in like clockwork. They might be big, they might be small, but they're going to come in typically. Um, 
you know, I don't know how much this is talked about, but like I've done this. Um, if I find a hot doe, I'll shoot her. If I know, if I find and I have a chance to shoot a hot doe, I will shoot her as bait. You know, I'm not sure that a lot of people will say that, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm a, I'll do it in a heartbeat. And I've had, I've had some success doing that. It doesn't always pan out. You might have 13 little scrub bucks come in, but you know, I, I'm eating my meat anyway. So like, I, I mean, I do want to hunt the, the big deer. I, I shoot my share of does. So it's just, in my opinion, food on the table, but, uh, I do that quite a bit, but again, to expand on your question too, you know, people talk about going deep in the woods or some people talk about these, these spots next to the parking lots. Yeah. I think they're all potential, but I'm, I'm number one, I'm looking for buck sign. I'm looking for the big tracks and, um, scrapes are awesome, but you can't count on them, but a rub line a lot of the times, if you find a good rub line, that's that's an area that they're working, and I will hunt that as well. Okay, that is actually a good strategy for Pennsylvania because they actually, I think it was last year, yeah, they actually changed the rule. Before you had to actually, if you harvested a deer, you would have to get down, tag that deer, and then get them back to your vehicle before you were allowed hunting again. Now, last year they changed it where you can actually shoot your tags all out of the stand before you even recover a deer. So shooting that doe would actually be legal and beneficial here in Pennsylvania. Now I'm going to tell you, um, it took me a while to really start that because Mm. I I was scared whether I've done it with a bow, I've done it with a muzzleloader and a rifle. And, and, uh, the, the, the first time I actually did it, I did it with a muzzleloader and, uh, uh, it, it, I, this was, is uh, about six years ago, I shot a really old buck that came in. It had, it had been fighting, had some broken horns or whatnot, but it was a stud in my book. And uh, I'm not – when I say, like, I want to shoot these big bucks, um, I mean, who doesn't want to do that? But for me, my trophy is if my heart flutters, yeah. I'm going to shoot you. Yeah. Like, I don't care. I don't, I don't judge other people in any way – Whatever's legal. Um, if there's a, if like la- last year, I shot a, a, a good seven point. And, you know, a lot of people might say, oh, it's only seven. I don't care what you think. I really don't. Yeah. Um, my heart was jumping out of my chest when I saw it. It was big and tall. Uh, it might have, I don't, I don't score my deer. I don't care. I've scored one deer in my life. It was, I think, 144 and change. Um, I don't care yeah. at the end of the day, it's what makes me happy. And it's, 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 it's about what I want. Uh, and, uh, that's what I'm going to do. Well, I remember seeing last year when I, on one of your hunting stories, you had like, what was it? Like three or four doe whacked up. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> the same oh, day. <laughs> look, look, I learned that from Catman. Yeah. Catman will shoot the hell out of some does. Now, <laughs> In the process, he's shooting the hell out of a lot of button bucks too, because you can't you can't see them. <laughs> but uh, he, he's he's recording me actually right now because I'm talking about him. But uh, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's me. It's it. 
It's about the meat. Yeah. It's about the meat. And uh, during the rut, if there's a hot one, oh, that's dinner on the table right there because I'm hoping to bring in, in daddy as well. That's awesome. I think I want to ask you a question just because uh, I would say now it's been four years that Demetri and I have been really hunting together. And, you know, we've we only hunted a handful of times where we're either up in the same tree together to, you know, film each other or something along those lines. You know, but we usually go in together and we have a game plan. How sure. and, and I know you've been hunting with Catman for the past couple of years and doing a bunch of stuff together. You know, I I love having Dimitri to to be able to to bounce off ideas, to go out together, just to have that camaraderie and and that brotherhood and, you know, we're family too, but at the same same, you know, breath how important do you think it is for individuals to, to have hunting buddies and, and to go out there and do that type of, you know, build those memories together like that? Like I, I, the day that Dimitri shot his buck two years ago, I was away and he shot his deer, called me. And I just remember being like getting up out of bed and just like freaking out, just a pure joy for him. And I was just like, yeah. Damn, like the first words I said was like, we're going to be home. Like we're picking up because we picked up my puppy at that, that day. And I'm like, we'll be home and I'll be right up. Like, you know what I mean? I just couldn't wait to share that moment with him. And he was the second person right. I called when I shot my buck a couple weeks later. And I drove home that day to, to, you know, right to his house. And so, you know, talk about that, just like what it's like to have a good friend to go hunting out there and, and share these and build these memories with. So for me, for me, like, I think my favorite thing to do is go to a deer camp. Yep. And share, you know, the camaraderie with the guys, you know, whether we're killing deer, not killing deer. Um, but having, making those memories, doing that sort of thing. Um, now, you know, Catman and I, we've been hunting together, golly, probably about 10 years actually now. Um, he was, uh, I met him at the local WMA one night and, uh, you know, we've, we've, uh, built just a, a strong bond, you know, it's really nice to have the faith and trust in someone that you can build, uh, that relationship with, and you can bounce ideas and like game plans and stuff with like when, when he's killing deer or, or any of my buddies, like, I'm so happy. Like I'm stoked, especially if I'm there, like, like I, I, I'm probably the happiest guy you know, out there, like I, it, it just fires me up. Like it doesn't matter who's done it. The fact that there's, I'm going to interrupt real quick. Can you sit over there so I can upload the video? He's got, he's got, it, Catman outdoors has to upload a video. Uh. <laughs> wow. I, I got booted anyway. Yeah. Talk about some hunt, so, buddy. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to try. I'm, I'm going to trash him now. Yeah. Um, actually I sit at his computer table. Um, so just having the camaraderie to, to just enjoy that with there's, I love now, let me say this too. I love hunting alone. Just knowing that I was able to do what I planned to do or had hoped to do and the, my strategy, but I, I don't think that's as good as hunting with somebody. Now we might go in together and split up right. and kind of tag team an area. Um, and then, you know, we'll text and kind of see what's going on and, we get fired up about you saw this or saw that, but you, you gain a lot of knowledge on these deer. If you're hunting a certain area and I'm not, when I say we go in together, we might be 500 yards apart, if not more, but 
you're gaining knowledge and we can bounce that off each other for, for each of us to be more, more successful the next time or whatever. Um, he shoots a lot more deer than I do. Like he, he definitely does. Like he, he, he shoots pretty much any doe that he sees. Like I, I just, that's not me. I can't do that. I have like, usually I'm buck hunting, but I have a plan of how many doe I want to shoot. Yeah. Um, uh, Kylie, man, like this is like, I feel like this is one of those questions I can go on. Oh yeah. No, you're my, good. My favorite thing is deer camp and seeing what everybody did that day and hearing the stories and just soaking in knowledge. Like if you think you know it all, you're wrong. I don't care who you are, how many deer you've killed, how many booners you've killed. If you think you know it all, you just need to hang it up because I'm always soaking in the knowledge, uh, from guys I hunt with, from guys I meet at the, the, the shows and, and saddle hunting and like, I think it's all valuable for sure. Well, let's talk a little bit uh, before we get off about saddle hunting. Like we said earlier, Dimitri is going into hunting uh, in the saddle for the first time for him this Sunday. We actually, we are hosting a teach and train tour event uh, at our local 3d club. So we're excited for that. And, uh, you know, this will be the second one that we technically hosted cause we did one in Philly. Uh, but you know, right. what, you know, we talk about like, Oh, the advantages and, you know, we, you know, obviously I, you've done it even a lot longer than I have. So I really want you to talk to, to like, say like, you, like straight to Dimitri. You, is that, is that, is that an old joke? Like, is it cause I'm older? Or what? <laughs> no, 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 that's not, <laughs> no, but like, you know, talk to him, <laughs> talk to that first, that first year saddle hunter, just because like you said, you're going to have your ups, you're going to have your downs. Like, what are some of the things that you kind of highly recommend or say like try this, but don't try that or type of just, just let them have it. Um, so first off, if you are a first year saddle hunter, and you are trying to soak up all the knowledge you can. Um, it's, it's kind of a hit or miss here, but I'm going to say talk to someone that's done it for a period of time, more than one or two years, yep. like, like experience the whole thing. You know, saddle hunting is Ford versus Chevy. Everybody wants to argue about this is best. That's best. It depends on the person. There's a lot like, look, you see that? There's a lot of good companies out there. There's a lot in the saddle that I might like your body type is different. You might like something different. I have so many, you know, when I'm doing the, the social media with tethered, so many guys are saying, I heard about this, this, and this, and this. And I know it's a lot. There's a lot of information out there. You're not going to figure it out uh, right away. And that's going to be tough because my nature is, you know, when I purchase something, I want to know that I'm getting the best bang for my buck and all this stuff. But here's the thing, saddle hunting, you buy something, it's not for you. You can get your money back. It's so stinking hot. And uh, so my thing is, if you can, now I say stay off those forums. I don't really mean that. <laughs> you need to ask questions. The sad thing is when you do ask questions, yeah, you have some jack holes that are going to belittle you. You got to have some thick skin. I, like, I would not do that, but you have to have some thick skin going in. But try to find somebody like uh, that, that has some knowledge and is pretty biased, and you've got to figure out what's best for you. Because 
the thing about saddle hunting that's really awesome is there's so many different ways to do little things. Like when I get to the tree, little things that I think is important. And I, I would say this is pretty common is having the same routine, mm-hmm. having all your items in the same pouch or the same backpack in the, in all the pockets. And you have this routine. So when you, you know, time and efficiency is key getting up the tree quick. Cause they're like, how many, how, how, how fast is it? The, it's like tying your shoes. The first time you're going to struggle. The second time you're going to struggle, but the more you do it, it's, it's going to be like, you can do it blindfolded. Right. So same with saddle hunting. When I get to the tree, I know where all my stuff is. I will use the same routine. Even if I learn something new and I have to change it up, I'm going to practice and know what I'm doing. Right. Like you cannot get out there and, uh, you can do it, but it might take you longer, but to be efficient, you have to have that routine and practice and whatnot. So, um, when I get to the tree, I'm going to do everything the same way. I'm going to climb the same way. And then when I'm coming down out of the tree, it's going to be like a reverse order. Everything's going to go in reverse order and having that. And the more times you do it, it's going to be, it's going to be so much better. Like even now. So, if I was going to be in a tree a week from now, it's going to take me longer because it's the first time I've done it, you know, in a few months now, because, you know, obviously I can't climb with my wrists and whatnot, but, uh, you know, and then some guys will talk about, yes, saddle shape is a, is, is a thing. Like you're using different muscles that you're not using throughout the year. So your body might feel fatigued the first couple of weeks, but once you're doing it on a regular basis, you're going to get used to it. I, I guess one of my biggest things I could say is don't give up on it. Yeah. Give yourself, give yourself a year. And when I say a year, just a season and, and, and doing it multiple times because it took me, Callie, it took me about a month. The first year I've done saddle hunting for about eight years now. And it took me about a month to really feel my comfort level of adjusting my tether, how high I wanted that, where I was going to be more successful having certain items in my backpack or pouches and stuff like that. So um, it's different for everybody, but listen to everybody at the same time. Pick out what you like, throw away what you don't like. Amen. I mean, that like Adrian said it perfectly because that was me in, in, in a nutshell because I spent the whole year, my first day, I, re- I remember actually going up to Dimitri's like, and I was like, like swinging, like just because I never even really asked anybody. I was just watching videos and it took me learning just by experience and kind of watching videos and seeing like if I try that and kind of like, oh, I, I do like that. Oh, this doesn't work. Um, and right. like, cause even I just watched even Taylor, you know, Chamberlain, he just put out a video today about filming and, you know, and he has his camera sure. arm up high and I'm like, holy cow, like, for me, I'm not that tall. I feel like that'd be a lot of movement for me. You know what I mean? Like, that's just, sure. I like having it by the hip and I'm able to move like that works for me, you know, and, and what the way he explains it and the way he does it, is it a, a great, you know, opportunity? Maybe that could work for Dimitri because sure. he's taller. Um, but it, that wouldn't work for me. It's not wrong. It's just wouldn't work for me, but right. You know, to go back to that, it's, it's a process. And the more I did it, just like you said, Adrian, it's like tying my shoes. And I, I know, I know you'll just catch on once you feel comfortable with it, but that's, well, you know, and that's what it is. 
Yeah, you 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 know that there. It's kind of like this. Do you remember when you first started hunting, like as an adult, not not as a kid? If you started early, and you bought all these crappy products that you thought you had to have to be successful, <laughs> and then and then and you spent all this money because I've been there, I've done this, and I've watched. I'm like, oh, I have to have that. I have to have that. And then you realize, you know, I don't really need that. And then you start fine tuning and working your craft to what's going to suit you as an individual. It's the same thing with saddle hunting. There's things that I want that you might not want. You know, some guys are like talking about being ultra light. Of course I want to be light, but at the same, same time, the bottom line for me is if I'm not comfortable, I'm not having fun. Right. Like I can sit here and lie to myself and say, Oh, I'm going to stay up here for X amount of hours. But if I'm not comfortable or I'm not wearing the right clothing or my feet get cold, it's going to suck. And, and, uh, so I, throughout the year, you know, my, my bag of tricks or whatever I have changes, I tend to over prepare because I want to be prepared for pretty much any situation. Sometimes I'm carrying too much stuff in now, obviously early season, I have less, but I've got a big bag. I'm ready, like for 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 whatever you know nature throws at me or the situation. Like it's like uh, number one, the first thing I make sure I have in my pack, other than like my release and all those things, is and, and it's gonna you're gonna laugh, but like I have to have toilet paper. If I don't, <laughs> I'm screwed. I mean, what's to be real here? Like every dude, lady needs that. You just never know when a you know nature calls. Number two. Um, if you have a, a headlamp, make sure you have a backup. It's going to die or something's going to happen. You know, there's little things that you can do, you know, thermosel, all these things. But then, you know, when you're in the saddle and you're in the tree, just making sure everything's properly placed to, to where you can get it without little movement. Because I think a lot of people in the saddle, especially new people, you know, it's easy. It's kind of fun. It's kind of like a swing. You're kind of bouncing around and doing that. Um, having everything placed to where it's within arm's reach and there's little movement and, uh, you know, just easily accessible, just the things that you're going to need. You know, we can, we can overdo it for sure. But, uh, you know, what you have in your pack, I might not have and vice versa. It, it, it comes – you know, there's luxury items and things of that nature, but to be efficient, have the same routine, do what you do. Don't copy other people unless it's going to benefit you. Yeah. Well, and I think the biggest thing is, is with the saddle is you, you have to try it multiple times before you can judge it. I know when Jeremy was talking about the first time that we tried it and he got it and, and I put it on and I got up on, you know, we just kind of had it uh, at the base of the tree. So we weren't even up in it and kind of played around with it. And I said, ah, this isn't for me, you know? And, and then sure. as the year went on, you know, I didn't give it that second or third try to, you know, see if I got comfortable with it. So, but then this summer got in one, you know, I played around with it more in the yard and, and at that second and third time, I'm like, man, I'm starting to get the hang of this. Yeah. Right. You know, it, it was pretty yeah. quickly. So I don't think people should judge off that first or second try, you know, maybe yeah. even if you don't like it one year, you know, 
that's why the teach and train is great because you could try it for free, right? You know, there's, you don't have to buy it. You don't have to try to sell it if you don't like it, you know, um, even if you're at like a teach and train tour, I would tell people get in it, try it for a little bit. And if you say, eh, I'm not sure, get out of it and then go back to it a second time, even that day, just to try again. And, yeah. and, and, and that second time might be a little different because you kind of know how to set it up. You know, you're moving a little bit different. You got to kind of know what you expect, what you're going to feel moving around in it. And I think that's huge of doing that a couple times. And then, you know, I was in the yard the other night and I was at the base of the tree and I was just moving around different shot opportunities I might have. And I'm like, you know, this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And it started becoming more natural, you know, granted I'm a physical therapist. So, you know, I've been working with my workouts. I've been working on core stability and, and, you know, balance and, and different things where I'm on uneven surfaces and challenging my core more just to kind of prepare the season of being in that saddle and, and, you know, different arm movements that similar to drawing while I'm on, on even surfaces that way my core has to engage. So those are different things that I've been trying to do to kind of prep myself to get in the saddle this year. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of like you ever had that song that you hated the first time you heard it. And then as it played more, you realize, yeah, that's my jam. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's, it's, it's the same with a saddle. Um, it's look, it's not for everybody. It's not, I, I would never try to force it on anybody. Now I have a love for it. So I have no issue like just bragging on what I think he can do for you. Yeah. But, but again, at the end of the day, it's not going to be for everybody. Um, I have, you know, I'm the type of guy, if, if there's a ladder stand that's going to be beneficial to me, I will hunt the ladder stand. But what I found myself doing is because I've set the saddle for so long now, like even like, let's say there's a lock on, I'll take that lock on and I'll, I'll put it around the other side of the tree and use it as a platform and set my saddle because that's, that's how comfortable I've become with the saddle. Um, so yeah, Dimitri, you nailed it. Like it might take a while and uh, you know, like anything, Change is hard for people. Like the, uh, you, you got to give us some time. Uh, when I first got into a saddle, like my hunting buddy, we basically hunted uh, together ninety percent of the time, and we we're going in public land. I'm carrying a summit climber, and he used to, but now he's got this this thing called a sit drag, which I think is crazy. And I'm watching him and. Uh, over the course of the year, he's trying to talk me into it. I'm like, no, no. Cause you know, I'm stubborn. Uh, you know, I can be proficient what I'm doing, but then I realized that, you know, maybe, maybe I should try it. And when I tried it, that first sit, I was like, you know, there's something to this. It wasn't super comfortable my first time, but I realized that it was not as difficult and the moving parts were not as bad as what I thought they were. And then, that summer I really put some time into that saddle. And what I did was I hung it at the base of a tree. I would sit in it for a little bit at a time. I would take shots out of it. And I realized, you know, this is probably going to be a little bit better for me. And then after actually putting it to use, it's, it's paid dividends because the ease of movement and I re- 
one of the factors, I don't know if a lot of people talk about this, but I love the fact that I can hide behind the tree. Now I play the wind. Uh, but I mean, at the end of the day, these deer can come in from anywhere. And, uh, but the fact that I have the more times than not the tree between me and the deer, and I can get away with more movement. I think it's, I think it's huge. Well, I think too, just to kind of wrap it up uh, as far as like saddle hunting goes, we were talking about practicing and doing all that type of stuff. There's just so there's endless possibilities and like ways of adjustability to it. Like when the other day, like when we were just talking even a while ago, I'm like your tether height, your, your bridge height, like, you know, just distance and all like your comfort channels. So there's so many adjustability things that you could do to it that, like you said, you just have to practice. And like when we were at that teach and train tour in May, you know, when I was up in a tree showing people like my, how I do it and, and my setup. And I just right. said, listen, people, like, if you're going to do this, like, don't give up on it. Like practice, 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 because you're going to become yep. like you just said, Adrian, like tying your shoes and you're going to be like, oh, wow. Like it, it becomes second nature and you have fun with it. So good stuff, man. That, all, all good things. And do you got anything else you want to the only thing, you know, I would end with is, is there any tips and tricks for, you know, shooting out of the saddle? Oh, I know, go. I know practice obviously is the biggest and most important thing too, but is there any, you know, very tips and tricks that you can give somebody that maybe you do that might not be kind of, um, people might not be aware of when making that shot out of the saddle, to, you know, no matter what I'm, position or where they're shooting at. I'm not sure if it's anything new or like, like a secret trick, but like, I mean, the basic stuff, like you mentioned, taking every shot out of a saddle, like, like 360 degrees, like a lot of people um, really focus on their strong side, but the hardest shot is usually on the weak side for most people because it's different. Um, I probably practice more on my weak side than I do my strong side, just because I feel that's a harder shot for me. Um, you know, uh, I don't know, if you, Jeremy, I think you probably do this, but do you ever, do you ever face the opposite direction from your tree and put the, the tether over your, your shoulder? shoulder? Yep. What's actually funny is, uh, no, go ahead. I, I won't, I don't no, want to cut you off. I, I was going to say like a lot of lock on guys, you know, how they're, Oh, you know, a lot of people like to just stand straight up. I probably, I probably hunt like that about 50% of the time, because if you think about it, the mature deer, if you're actually going after mature deer and, uh, especially, you know, we'll, we'll add something we haven't talked about. If you rattle, let's say you rattle the mature deer, what are they going to do? They're going to come down wind. So if you if you are playing the wind and then you face opposite, put that tether over your your shooting shoulder, like oh, so I'm left-handed, or I shoot left-handed, I'm gonna put that that tether over my left shoulder, and that's where the deer are typically gonna the big ones are going to come from, especially if you're using like say a rattle or something like that um, to get them in there, um, but. I try, I just try to be vigilant and taking every shot that is going to present itself to me in a hunting situation. Now, obviously at the spur of the moment when a deer comes in, sometimes you don't have all the time to think routine kicks in. Yeah. If you, if you've been practicing that more times than not, you're just routine's going to take over your body and it's just going to happen. And then, 
I don't know how many times I'm like, I don't know what just happened. I don't know what I just did, <laughs> but your routine of being efficient and what you practice is going to pay dividends. Yep. So what's actually funny is the first deer that I shot out of it last year uh, was my weak side. Now, I felt a little bit more comfortable just because the years prior I was already shooting that way out of a tree stand. You know what I mean? So that was that sure. felt more comfortable for me. You know, it's been 8 years like you said. So that, you know, that that makes sense. And then when I shot my doe in that last in the in the second part of the archery season for us, it's funny you say that because I was in that crooked tree. Remember when I, I sent you the picture? I was like, look at this gnarly yeah, tree. And yeah, you're like, dude, yeah, the yeah. and I wasn't up very high. And this deer came on this path, like right underneath me. And when she went, you know, a little bit more to my left, I actually had to release my, my rope a little bit to drop down a little bit more. And then I just put yep, my knees yep. in the tree and I just let it rip. But it was like second nature. Cause I knew, okay, I got to get down. I got to get my knees dug in there. And I just went whoop and I dropped down and, you know, yep. let it rip. So like you said, it, it, once you practice and you, by that point in time, you get so smooth and comfortable with it. And, uh, man, I, like I, I've told people now, and actually a, a, a friend of mine had a friend contact me and he was like, Hey, like, tell me a little bit more about like the saddle hunting. And he put in an order with, with tethered. He was just like, all right, I'm sold. And I was just like, sweet, <laughs> you know? So, uh, it is what it is. And I just hope that people just, you know, an individual like him and just gives it a, a full fair share and, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. And, and like, I would tell any listener out there, you know, re, you know, reach out, like I mentioned earlier, reach yeah. out to people that have been doing it. Yep. You know, there's so many guys and I'm not dog. Like it doesn't, I don't mean this to sound bad. Like there's a lot of guys that can do it one year and be very good at what they're yep. doing, but talk to, talk to some people that put some time in it yep. and that seem to be pretty biased I think, I think that will, will be more helpful than Heck anything yeah. and not, not go with somebody that's like I me. Love my Ford more <laughs> than your Chevy. Yeah. 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 No, 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 no. I just, I just, you know, and, and just put the time in. It, it does take time. And, and like, not to say you can't go out within two weeks and be proficient in it. It's not like it's super hard. I, I'm just talking about from my level myself, if, if I feel confident, I'm going to be a better hunter, Hell yeah. you know, at the end of the day, if I'm believing in the time I put in what I've done, I'm going to, I'm going to be a better hunter Yep, by far. Awesome, man. Well, Adrian, where could people find you and, and, uh, get all the information about you and what you got going on and, uh, all that type of stuff. So, um, my, I'm not big on Facebook. I'm on there, but, uh, my name is Adrian Wilson. Feel free to reach out there. But uh, my Instagram is where I'm pretty, pretty active. Uh, it's Big A Sports. Um, I do the the tethered social media, so I'm probably the guy that's messaging you. So <laughs> if you're if you're DMing, so I that's probably me. It might not be, but feel free to reach out to me. I will try to answer. Every question, um, that's, that's who I am. I, I just love – I'm a high school teacher. Well, I don't know if you knew this, Jeremy. Um, did you go all virtual now? I Or did you I, – No, I, resi- I resigned two weeks ago. Did you really? Are you, are you, are you with Tether? Yeah. I'm doing the Tether thing Congrats, and uh, hunting and just enjoying life. I love it, dude. Well, well what, we're, what we'll do is that will be a conversation this week. 
one. Okay. I, yeah. I, I want to hear all about it because I know that's something we talked about a, a few months ago, uh, you know, right af yeah. after our school years were wrapping up for the both of us. So everybody, honestly, Adrian, uh, even though we've never met in person, I consider him a, a really dear friend of mine. Uh, he's been there for me and any chance I, I just love seeing what he's doing with it. He and his girls and all that type of stuff and good person. So give him a follow till next time, everybody antler up. And that's a wrap for another episode of the Antler Up podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this one. Make sure you check out antlerupoutdoors.com, our YouTube, Facebook, our Instagram. It means a lot to us that you're helping us out and supporting us. Thank you so much. Best of luck to you on this upcoming season. Finish dialing in your bows, your setups, all that stuff. Make sure you're getting those brownie points with the misses. Thank you again so much. Till next time, Antler Up.